Well, thank you. And I appreciate the invitation once again and appreciate this special offering to our ministry. Um, I, I realize that this afternoon's service, the, the main goal is just to keep everyone awake and to put some spiritual emphasis in it as well. No, I've come prepared to do a lot more than that, but uh, we won't keep you long. I've got to drive back to Nashville as well and make our evening service down there and uh, meet up with my wife and my son. Let's go back to the book of Philippians very quickly. We're going to jump off where we left off this morning, or jump into where we jumped out of this morning. And uh, we talked about unity within the church, and let's just see who can remember, or who's awake, and who's alive. But what did we say uh, in the three words that are used in the book of Philippians? What did we say accord meant? Accord means? Unanimous. Unanimous, right. And God wants the church to be unanimous. Uh, then the word mind, what does that do? Passion, right. Put all your heart, soul, mind. Uh, and then the word uh, striving, what was the word we used with that? Work, right, means to wrestle with, to struggle with, to uh, basically to uh, blood, sweat, and tears together. Uh, you're going to accomplish something that's going to take work, and the church is to work together. And uh, when you start a church, there is a lot of pioneers that come early on with a pioneering spirit. There are, there are people that are uh, looking to and watching this church to see when it will get to a point where they can come in and they won't have to work. And uh, that's, uh, that's a shame, because the blessing is when the church works together to accomplish something. And nothing is, uh, nothing is much value if you don't have to work for it. That's, that's uh, even Jesus dying for us. We didn't have to work for salvation, but He had to give His life. He gave everything. It costs something. And by working together in the church, it is a, sometimes it's a struggle, sometimes it's a uh, roll up your sleeves and sweat and really dig in. Uh, but God wants us to do that as well. Now, these three areas then, these three words, accord, mind, um, and also striving together, we're talking about the unified church. So this afternoon's service, here in just these 20 minutes or so that we have, let's look at two results in the Bible of a unified church. And with that, let's go to Acts chapter 6. And we're going to look at the church at Jerusalem in Acts chapter 6. Leading up to this passage, you see the early church growing exponentially. We're not sure how many people that were in this church. We know that it was thousands. We know that because the Bible tells us that. 3,000 were added. And then later on, 5,000 were added. We're not sure how large uh, this church is, but it's big. And it's growing. It's reaching its own Jerusalem. Not Judea and Samaria yet, but it's reaching Jerusalem. Now, they come to a pivoting moment in this church's life where we see something happen. They're evangelizing, but now we see that there's going to be a, 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 a synopsis here of one issue that they had where the church was not unified. And we're going to see what happened, and then we're going to see how they fixed it, and then the result as well. And so uh, this is helpful because there is times, there are times when our families are not unified. Does it mean that we're not a family? No. Uh, you know, it means we're, we are a family and things happen and we're not unified. There are times when our marriages are not unified. Does that mean you're not married anymore? No, it means that you have to, there's an issue that has to be taken care of and so on. 
Uh, and, and within the church, there are going to be times where it just seems like something's out of joint. Okay. And does that mean you're not a church? No, it just means that uh, because we're all human, there are things that creep in and and flesh gets the best of us sometimes. But the issue is wherever there's disunification, we need, like I said this morning, we need to set like my arm when they when they set my arm. It was it was painful, but it needed to be done. If I were just to continue. If I went to the hospital with my broken arm the way it was, and they put me in a sling and said, you know, it'll heal. It doesn't heal right, but, you know, the bone will try to mend itself, and it'll still be out of joint, and I won't be able to use my arm like I, like I once did. And, you know, that's not the way it's supposed to be. I, they need to set it and then put me in a cast and let it heal. And so it's all, well, that's like the church then. We need to... We need to make, sometimes take a moment and reset. It's called revival. Getting back to God, getting back to His Word, getting back to His Spirit-filled church that He wants. So in this church, we go to chapter 6, and the Bible says something happens here. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there rose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were being were neglected in the daily ministration. The Hebrew here, uh, when it talks about the Grecians, the Grecians were Greek-speaking Jews that moved away from Jerusalem, but they came back for the Pentecost. The day, and they were back in the area for the day of Pentecost, when the Pentecost happened. So they were Greek-speaking Jews that came back to the area they came from. But then they were the Hebrews, and they never left. They stayed in Jerusalem. And the problem was, the Hebrew uh, widows were being better taken care of than the Greek or the Grecian uh, Jewish widows. And so there was an imbalance within the church, and there was a disunity. Uh, there were some uh, murmurings and disputing. Some uh, they were jealous, and if we're not careful, that can creep into every part of our life, our marriages, our families, whatever. And it's not good. It's not healthy. So what did they do? Look at verse number two. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, "It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables." These. Uh, Hebrew ladies and Grecian ladies, these uh, widows and others who were widows, uh, pride was setting in, selfishness was setting in, jealousy was setting in. They were out of joint. This happens when churches grow, when they get a little bit older. You know, it's sort of like marriage. When you first start out, there's a honeymoon time, right? Where your husband can do no wrong. Your wife is the, you know, can do no wrong. But after a while, as you grow together, you learn that you both are not perfect. You have imperfections. And if we're not careful, we'll magnify those imperfections instead of looking over some of them and, and keeping the unity. We'll magnify things that are wrong with each other. And, and here in the church, uh, that happened, and it'll happen in any church. It happens in every church. God doesn't want it to happen. But because we're all human, it's going to happen. It's how we take care of it. How do we get back to the unity? They started out being thankful 
for anything, but they started demanding everything. And that can happen. They started out submitting, but now they're bucking. They started out humble, but now they start to grumble. And some church plants are like that. You start out very humble. Thank you to the Lord for the place we have. You know, at least we have some place to meet in. And then we start to grumble about decorations and how hot it is and how cold it is and, you know, how, how things are figured out, you know, where we're located. Da, 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 da. You know, you start out very humble. You're so thankful. But all of a sudden you start to grumble. And if we're not careful, that will produce disunity within a church. Well, the 12 got together and we see other insights here of the church because they were praying, they were uh, preaching, they were edifying, they were growing the flock. But it wasn't good for the leadership to come and now serve tables. In other words, take care of this very practical issue within the church. It wasn't good that they had to take time away for their studying and so on to do that. So verse number three, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The primary function of the pastor is to feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. The pastor can counsel everybody. The pastor can clean the church. The pastor can do all the functions and set up and tear down. For, listen, but he doesn't, he should not be doing all that. He can, he can do a little bit of everything, but he can't do everything. The pastor is to be giving himself over to uh, the business of the ministry of the word and of prayer. And by the way, you want your pastor to do that. Why? Because that's how he's going to better feed the flock and you're going to be much healthier and the church is going to be much healthier. So they were to appoint seven men, servants. It doesn't call them deacons here, but we do believe that's where you start seeing the element of deacons show up in the church here. They're servants and the word deacon means servant. Uh, but then look at verse number five. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, uh, and several others here. And then verse number six, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. And so they appointed seven men to help oversee and take care of the problem. And the Bible says it pleased the multitude. And so everybody was back in joint. Everybody was back in rhythm. Everybody was back in unity once they took care of the problem. And by the way, again, that is key to unity. It's not the absence of problems. It's the, it's the focus on how to fix the problems when they come up. And so they fixed the problem. Then look at verse number seven. The Bible says, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Do you know what happened here? Here are the, here are the three results in this area of unification. Uh, when they came together, uh, the three results were the word of God increased then. The Bible says, number, verse number seven, and... After it, was, after it was fixed, after they got the unification back, the word of God increased. Do you know, a good sign of a healthy church is that everybody is hungry for the word of God. A good sign of a healthy family is that you base your family on the word of God. 
A good sign of a healthy nation is that they teach the Word of God in schools and in governments, and they base their law, not maybe, uh, they, they base many of their laws primarily on the Word of God. Why was America blessed and the hand of the Lord was on America when it was first founded? Because they did those things. How can your family be blessed? By making much of the Word of God. How can your church be blessed? By making preaching, teaching, and studying the Word of God the center point of the church. Yes, Jesus is our who we worship, but the Word of God, He is the living Word of God, by the way. We make much of the Word of God. We, and we center around the Word of God. When a church is unhealthy, when a family is unhealthy, they say things like this. I know what the Word of God, I know what the Bible says, but you don't know my situation. I know what the Word of God says, but you don't know, you don't know the uh, predicament my church is in right now. I know what the Word of God is. I know what the Word of God says, but you don't know the type of people we have. I know what the Word of God is, but you don't have an uncle like I have. <laughs> no, that's an unhealthy situation. A healthy situation says, I know what the Word of God says, and we're going to just obey the Word of God. Period. Well, here they, the Word of God increased. And then, secondly, here's another sign. Disciples will multiply. The Word of God will increase. And disciples will multiply. Look what the Bible says. And the number of the disciples multiplied. Almost like I got my points right out of the Bible. <laughs> and I did. The, 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 the disciples multiplied. But, so how do you know if you have a, uh, a healthy church? You're going to see disciples growing in the Lord. You're going to see people making commitments to the Lord. You're going to see people not only being saved, but then growing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you're going to hear testimony within the church of how, you know what God did for me this week? You know what Jesus did for me? You know what, Pastor, I appreciate that message. I just needed that right there. I needed that. You know, growth is a tremendous sign of unification. And so the early disciples here, as they grew, disciples were being made. And by the way, ultimately, that means that new churches will be started as well because disciples are being made. And that, that makes multiplication of, of churches. The third, the third outcome of being unified in this passage is simply this. A great number of priests were obedient. In other words, you will affect, the church will affect the community. The leadership in the community. The Bible says here in, this, in verse 7, And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now, in other times, we see that the priests argued with the apostles and so on. We see in other, day, other times where the priests, the, the religious leaders, uh, actually got together and tried to stone or kill the apostles for preaching the Word of God. But here we see something different. We see that the great, uh, a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. This tells us that as the church has unity, the Lord works through His power to change even the local leadership in our communities. Even the religious, uh, uh, hard-nosed uh, 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 religious leaders of that time were being changed. The Bible says, up to, or excuse me, up to this point, there is no mention of priests anywhere in the, in the New Testament excepting the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. But now we have it. And so these three principles, very simply, if, if you're unified in your family and in the church especially, 
The Word of God will increase. You know, we'll never get the Word of God back in the schools, back in our government, everything that we wish would happen, until we make sure that the church magnifies the Word of God. How do we expect the schools to, have the, to get the Word of God back in and obey the Word of God if the church doesn't? How do we expect our, our leaders of our land to just bow the knee and come to God and come, and, and, and come to His Word when we're not making it the, the pinnacle of our life in our families and our church? See, when a church starts preaching only uh, politics and only this or only that or whatever, and they get off of the Word of God, it loses its effect in its community. And it loses its effect in the nation. But when the church of God says, Thus saith the Lord. Listen, you can't argue with that. You can't argue. No one can argue. Uh, they can argue that the word of God isn't, isn't, isn't the word of God. But no one can argue truth. You just preach the truth, teach the truth to your kids and to your family and so on. No one can argue that. It'll never come back void. It's powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It'll always do its work. So the word of God will increase with a unified church. And then disciples will be made. And the community will be affected. You know, um, you can read about old revivals and things like that that happened and so on. Um, it never happened aside from God's people individually deciding that they are going to be given over to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then by them doing it, it affects their family. And then by the family doing it, it affects the church. And by just simply giving your life to the Lord, your family to the Lord, and the church to the Lord, and magnifying Jesus Christ and His Word, being unified within the church, the Word of God will be magnified. It will increase. Disciples will be made. And the community will be affected from the church that is unified. Father, thank you for your word this afternoon, and we pray that you'd help us to be the unified church that you show in your word. We see the power, the hand of God upon it. We see that the word of God increased. We see that uh, the religious leaders even turned to you, and uh, we see that the disciples were multiplied. And Father, that's all things that we want to see. We want to see our community affected. We want to see how our neighbors and people we work with affected help us to be unified that we may have the hand and the power of you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you, Brother Jeremy. I always enjoy when we are able to have uh, the missionaries with support in with us and get a chance to see them and talk to them and catch up and things like that. Or the whole church gets a chance to see them. Brother Jeremy, what is there a 